Kings of the North. The Canadian men's national team remain undefeated and top of CONCACAF through 10 games of World Cup qualifying after beating the United States 2-0 in Hamilton on Sunday and are on the verge of punching their ticket to Qatar. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and I've never been more excited for an edition of Wake Up <laughs> Weekly presented by Footy Talks. We'll chat De Azejo, we'll chat Sebastian Javinko at TFC Training Camp, Carlos Salcedo, San Pedro Sula, and all the things on this week's episode and who better to do it with than james Sharman of the footy prime podcast who will help us break down all of these things in about 10 minutes or so but first jeffrey finesker michael singh how's it going guys what a week <laughs> what a week start? i think my uh my voice is starting to come back finally but i, I ran into it there down in the i don't even know what to, the jungle because yeah. that's exactly what that environment was. I was amongst the, the fans there on Sunday afternoon. And it was just, it was so special, man. There was just so much love from so many different avenues and all around. It was, it was special. I mean, you can tell the vibe was different than past national team games. I think the biggest thing was, you know, with we've all attended kind of the previous matches, but Facing an El Salvador or in Honduras at, at BMO Field, the crowd was probably majority Honduras or, or El Salvador, majority blue. But on on Sunday, whether it's pandemic related reasons or, or other reasons, that was a crowd full of, of red and white, and a crowd probably larger than uh, than twelve thousand. That was probably uh, there's no there. way that was twelve thousand people. Yeah. I'm sorry, there's. There's absolutely no way that that was twelve thousand people. I'm just a little hot back here, guys. I wore my wore my red for the outset, but you know, back to basic black. <laughs> yeah, uh, the memo, boys. Yeah, sorry. Well, now there is no memo. Um, <laughs> black yeah. for the U.S. <laughs> I just I morning for that program. I I just <laughs> I just feel bad that like I was I was kind of in a in a in a hungover like I I kind of imbibed a bit too much the night before. So, you know, I I knew everybody there, but I saw maybe 3 people and uh and of course, you know, they opened the bars up a day later because god, would it have been nice to go and hang at a bar with all of you guys after that game as opposed to, you know, going back to 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 our own separate little corners of, of COVID land and, and, and talking over uh, DMS like we usually do. It would have been nice to see every uh, everybody's face and hug and parade around Hamilton and, and just get destroyed. But uh, what are you going to do? The hammer, yeah. the good old yeah. hammer, Mitch, that hat is fire. I agree. <laughs> Mitch had, had to, to break out the bucket hat. Yeah, absolutely. Although I got to say you, like you that. weren't, you didn't go all out on, on Sunday. You were pretty, you're just pretty warm there, man. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I I put the the warmth over the, uh, the craziness on this one, and I mean it worked out obviously for for the national team. I didn't jinx anything, so I'm happy with that. But yeah, I think like one of the main things, just even stepping into that stadium, was like not taking this for granted. Like we know how far the fan support has come in, and like I got goosebumps the second I got in that stadium and just look like I was pretty close to the front and just looking behind me and just seeing the flags all the way back. The entire like Voyager's side was just so, so special. And then everything yeah. there, I mean, what a, what a day, what an atmosphere and mm. moment I'll never forget. I think is at the end of the game <sighs> and Sam Atakubi scores that goal. Me and the guy beside like, me who i just met for the first time and like honestly just started talking to in like the 60th minute because i kind of nice. flip-flop seats at that point we just looked at each other and calmly said 
we're we're going to Qatar. We're going to the world. <laughs> and like it set into both of us like what that meant. We just started crying and yeah, hugging yeah. and just like all the all the pandemonium after that. But like just that brief moment of realization that's like I mean, and I know it's not official yet, but this team's going to the World Cup. Yeah. I'm trying not to say it as 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 uh, as as with as much certainty, but yeah, I mean it, it's looking pretty good, guys. <laughs> and yeah. you got got some decent odds there. But speaking of people beside us and, and neighbors or whatever, just uh, I thought this is a pretty cool. Share we had a I was screaming all game, right? Like I was that was I was we're going to guitar, right? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. song was was absolute fire. I actually love that song. I was singing it all all game but we had i had someone next to me that unfortunately recognized my voice my mm. scratchy voice over here and i gotta give him a little shout out shout out to, to jordan who is a big listener of, of our show of our podcast and he uh kind of funny he he offered to buy me a drink if you're in that position, do you take that up? Because I was quickly, I'm like, no, like, man, like, come on, I should be buying you a drink for for supporting our podcast, listening to our podcast. I was just like, yeah, no, no, don't worry about it. But, you know, low key, like drinks are expensive, man, like 14, 15 bucks. Like, come on. I <laughs> key, I only I, I only had one beer to maintain whatever buzz I had going, whatever fumes of buzz I had going, because the last thing you want in that in that temperature is 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 a beer, right? Like an ice cold beer. Yeah. Um, you know, it strange. like I, I nursed it the whole first half and it was a slushy by the end of first half. And it wasn't even a good slushy because it was just it's like, what am I doing to myself? Um, I had an interesting experience, too. On the way out, uh, my buddy and I, a uh, guy came up to us and was like, so are you doing, are you going to the after party? And I was like, what after party? I, I wasn't invited to any after party. <laughs> and then eventually clued in that he was talking about us doing a WTR show. So shout out mm-hmm. to that guy, also a listener. I didn't catch his name because at that point I was so confused. I was just like fist bump, got to go. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable. Just, just, just scenes where we were sitting right underneath the, uh, the U.S. Uh, supporters, and that was a fun time. The chirping was hilarious. There were there were some people that was there. Awesome. That was their their whole their whole raison d'être was to just chirp away at the at the American fans, especially when you go up one nil in the seventh minute. I mean, it was just it a, a field day. Ammo, eh? <laughs> it was a field day. Well, yeah, well speaking yeah. of chirping at the Americans, man, I didn't notice Christian Pulisic all game. Like, I mean, I noticed yeah, him getting pocketed and being put yeah. on skates by just about everybody on our on our lo- on our team. But uh, well, yeah. think about it. This guy's supposed to be the, the number ten for Chelsea. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be what? A, what was he transferred for? Like seventy million or sixty million, something ridiculous like that. You're in a Concacaf game against a Concacaf nation, Canada. As an attacking player, if you're that caliber, should you not be running circles around like the rest of your competition? If you're facing gonna... MLS competition, or if you're facing low-level European competition, like Pulisic man. is not a DP. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Man, Canadian fans, every time he touched the ball, they were yelling "overrated." Hmm. And at this point, I, I have lots of thoughts on this, and I, I don't know if I should save them for when for when uh, Charms gets here, but uh, you know. I sort of, I sort of, I think I have to at least allude to some of it now. The U.S. is having is in trouble because I think with a coach like Greg is very much an ideas guy, right? And he's all about you know principles of positional play. He's kneecapping his own team 
Um, mm-hmm. And you saw that. You saw that on, on the pitch there. They don't know what to do. You've got guys whose entire uh, um, MO as Red Bull Academy guys is you get the ball and you don't dawdle on it. And they're dawdling on it when they play for the men's national team because they, they need to get into their system. And they're so ponderous. You've got that midfield trio that should be just taking souls and they take way too long on the ball. And then Pulisic is predictable. He's so pedestrian. He's got no confidence, so he makes the same move over and over again. And our guys have, have figured that out. The only time he was ever dangerous was when that one set play. That was it. Mm-hmm. And that beautiful Borean save off that McKinney header. That was the only time he ever put a ball into the box in any kind of danger in 90-plus minutes. So, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty horrific showing for, for, uh, for CP. And, you know, the calls on Twitter are to, are to bench him for the El Salvador games, or sorry, for the Honduras games. So, you know, perfectly reasonable takes from U.S. men's national team Twitter. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably uh, yeah, yeah. there. I do think on yeah. the flip side, though, and this is my biggest takeaway from this game, we all thought if Canada were to make the World Cup, we figured they'd be, like, shooting their way there. They and, and they have been. You know, they have 17 goals, most in the I region. I love with this. But mm-hmm. they've only conceded five times. They have yep. two clean sheets this window. Again, yep. down in Honduras and at home against the United States. This defense deserves so much credit for how they've, like, shaped themselves for this qualifying cycle as a whole. I mean, Bor- it starts with Borean, obviously. He's, oh. When things have broken down, he's been unbelievable at making big saves, at just those little moments of of leadership as well, picking up his guys. There was a play where Sam Adekubi had a, had a bit of a tough touch in the U S had a good chance off of it or a half chance off of it. And Borean's the first guy there to pick him up, say, Hey, brush it off. We're good. We keep going. Exactly. So it does Mm -hmm. start with Borean, but I mean, Alistair Johnson was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The the, the moment Canada really won that game was when Pulisic is in one-on-one with Johnson and Johnson just picks his pocket. Like that's that's when it was over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Borean did that with Richie too. Richie was was getting hot headed, and Borean stepped off his line yeah, and, and, exactly, and coached yeah. Richie he back. quite a bit. Yeah, he did that yeah. with Buchanan as well, right? Yeah, it yeah. was a, it was a team effort there at the back. I know you're kind of going here, Mitch, but uh, you got to give some love to Sam Atacube as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my god, performance yeah. overall that he had. Um, I'm happy that he capped it off with his goal because he's a guy who doesn't really get too much spotlight, especially with the position that he plays. Right, and uh, Herman said this after the Honduras game because he was asked about Alfonso Davies and Steven Estacchio being out of the lineup. This team is it's a next man up mentality mm-hmm. kind of group where every game we're talking about someone different and highlighting someone different and talking about their story. I can go down the roster about 15, 18 deep and give you the reason why on each player, why they're so special and they're so important and how they've played a significant role to this team. I mean, look at Liam Frazier against Honduras mm-hmm. and him coming off the bench and kind of playing that game, uh, that role again, like he did against the U S in 2019. And how about that ball? Of course we got to give him some love. Cause I don't think we, yeah, we haven't talked yet. about the Honduras game. That pass <laughs> was insanity. That was absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best passes I've ever seen. Like shades of <laughs> chat, like prime shabby. Like it was just on a dime, it was unbelievable. What a pass! That's what he was. He was. He's been so good at right. If Liam Fraser has time on the ball, I mean, all day he can pick a pass. Yeah, like, one look, like one look, them. just on a dime, laser beam. And I'm sure TFC are, are kicking themselves for not being able to, especially when you see him succeed like this, but not be able to get that back over the line. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. teams kicking themselves. The Whitecaps who let Sam Adekubi go for free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, true. That, that's got to be the ultimate kicking yourself right now because. 
yeah, and it's, you know, again, both goals start with defensive actions. Kamal yep. Miller stepping up in the midfield or on that first goal and and heading the ball. And obviously from there, Canada turns it. And the same thing on the second one, Adekubi up the field, but it's another Kamal Miller ball forward yep. that ends up on his foot. Like, the, yeah, the, the back line just deserves so much credit because, again, that was considered Canada's biggest weakness going into this mm-hmm. qualifying cycle and it's been anything but and obviously you have to give the whole team credit because it's yeah shout out the, the attackers front. oh the yeah. work rate was unbelievable i mean tajon was defending as much as more than he was attacking he was anonymous on the attack but he was putting in he was putting in work on the mm-hmm. defense and then you know jay dave and 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 laren weren't weren't just standing off the shoulder of the of the last defender they were getting stuck in defensively like this was I mean, you know, I've heard it bandied about tactical masterclass from from Herdman. You know, there's a, there there's some there's some truth in that. Like this was that he put his team out there in a in a really profound, really intelligent way, and uh, and we saw the fruits of those labors. There's yeah, another that, factor. That... Go ahead, Mitch. Uh, well, there's another factor that to this too with the with the guys up front, and this was something Greg Vanny always said with Sebastian Javinko and and Josie Altador, which is that. Sometimes they're our best defenders, not because yep. they're actually putting in the defensive work rate on Sebastian Javinko's part in particular, but, <laughs> but because, <laughs> because now you have to worry about Kyle Aaron, Jonathan David, mm-hmm. and Tejon Buchanan going the other way. So you have gotcha. to have that little bit of respect and, absolutely. and pull a little bit further back and you can't commit as far forward or they're absolutely going to destroy you. And that's something every team in CONCACAF has to worry about now. So not only do they do these teams have to be you know, mindful of the Canadian players and how well they can defend. They have to be worried about, okay, if Canada gets the ball and they showed it at multiple times this game, like Canada were the more dangerous side, even though they almost never had the ball. Like if they get the ball, they're coming right down your throat. and there's Right down the gut in, in seven moves, yeah. like just done. Just, yeah. you know, that, that one, two between Jonathan David and Kyle Laren for that first goal Clean. was filthy, just filthy filthy i mean yeah, great ball by like Davis. so many little moves that that nutmeg that junior hoylet nutmeg where you know especially <laughs> the angle where you see daniel just losing his un, just losing his mind mm-hmm. um you know that's a that's an unbelievable bit of skill there from 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 uh from junior david hoylet so or david junior hoylet now i can't remember <laughs> what the order is um uh mitch uh, we've things. got we've got our guest here so whenever you want to cue that on cool. uh, perfect Oh, so yeah, Mike um, can talk because we bring him on in time. Okay, Mitch, I I can't take you seriously with anything that you're saying right now with that bucket hat and that Voyager's <laughs> red T-shirt on. <laughs> and the second, quickly, is we mentioned this this back line, and I want to give a quick shout out to Herman for his tactics establishing that that back three that turns into a back five, back four at times, whichever he's feeling, honestly, depending on the night. But we mentioned that back three without even mentioning a guy like Stephen Vittoria. Mm-hmm. and how important he is as a leader at the back there. I mean, this yep. is a guy that's a no-nonsense kind of defender and someone you kind of need kind of in that middle of the back line between someone like a Alistair Johnson and, and Kamal Miller, who are a little bit more mobile. And he's just it's just meshed so perfectly with those three at the back as yep. kind of the leaders back there. And obviously, you got Borean behind them. But just want to give a quick shout-out to him. But, yeah, let's uh, let's bring James on because he's uh, there he is. waiting. Hey fellas, how you doing? 
Oh man. Yeah, pretty. I love that bucket hat, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> sorry, 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 Mike, but that's, that's pretty. Uh, I like that. Uh, that yeah, I know it's great. It's great. Bez, Bez style. The podcasters <laughs> can't can't see it, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> to the listening audience, they won't have to endure Mitch's bucket hat, but we we have to suffer through it. I'm not I'm not suffering through it. It's fantastic bucket hat, and it's your yeah. lucky hat, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't want to wear it on Sunday because I still wanted ears after the. Yeah, game yeah, yeah. That would have been bad. <laughs> but yeah, I had to had to wear it today. But James, thank you so much for for joining us. And I mean, I mean, it's what we've been talking since the start of the show. Canada, top of the group, just beat the United States, still undefeated. I mean, is this real life? I don't know, man. I mean, I've been, I've been covering <laughs> this team, this country for twenty odd years, right? And if you told me even five years ago that would be this deep into qualifying for a world cup. And not only are they in the spots, you know, I, I could potentially foresee that, but to be in first place unbeaten to have gone, you know, unbeaten against the, the arch enemies of, of the region. I mean, it's just, I don't know. We should just enjoy it. You know, I know as, as media, we're supposed to be objective and we're trying to be objective. I get mm-hmm. that. But let's enjoy this as well. This ride It's about yep. to get really serious fellas, right? It's about to get really yeah. serious, you know, in November. <laughs> I'm saying right now they're going to qualify, um, but yeah, it's just so much fun. It's not, it's not so much like I said that they're qualifying, but it's how they're doing it. They're yep. bossing the region, yep. um, and there's nothing but positivity around this team. Uh, it, it's a wonderful time to be a Canadian soccer fan. As simple as that. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't been objective. I've been subjectively trolling U.S. men's national team Twitter for the last 48 hours. But uh, but yeah, no, I'd, lo- I'd like to pretend to be objective at some time. It was just too much fun and I took too many trains and I was too bored. So there you go. But uh... <laughs> Mike? Yeah, so, so, so James, I wanted to get your thoughts. We, we talked about, honestly, pretty much the whole roster there. But for you over the, this this window right now, Who's been a player or two that's kind of caught your attention? Maybe someone who who you weren't expecting to? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I kind of expect the most from all these players at this point, right? I mean, Alistair yeah. Johnston is a player that has just kind of smashed through the the wall this this whole qualifying yeah. period, hasn't he? I mean, he, yeah. he's he's my kind of player. Richard Larea was my favorite player in the world until I started seeing Johnston play on a regular basis, right? <laughs> he's in your face. He's tenacious. I, I love the way he plays, and I'm really mm-hmm. happy for Montreal that he's gone there, but part of me thinks, man, that guy's kind of just cut out for European football at some point. Yeah, six you know months. I mean? He's got a, he's a six-month deal, and then Bologna for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, it could be, not... right? I think he'll yeah, succeed yeah. wherever he goes. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the names up front, and we know who they are, and we'll talk about them, and they're wonderful, but the, the lesser-known names at the back, have been just superb. You know, Sam Adekubi, another one, the last three games going back to the last window. Um, he does it all, doesn't he? And he's got yep. that charisma with him as well. But I think it's part about this team is that they're just so damn likable, right? Yeah, they're, they're great players, but they've got charisma. They're, they're decent mm-hmm. interviews. And from a yep. media perspective, that's selfish perhaps, but they're a team that we can really get behind. You know, I, I think, you know, following other teams, other countries in the past, yeah, we, we can acknowledge some, some great talent, but they're not always likable, are they? This team, nope. to a man, they're likable, you know? Yep. So I, I think that that's wonderful. So the defenders have been the guys that have really impressed me. I mentioned that. It could be and Kamal Miller, you know, gets back in there again. Um, another guy, you know, representing MLS and just getting the job done. I think it's great. Scott Kennedy, my God. I mean, guys that, that were injured for a while. I know he missed the last game, but I was like, wow, he was fantastic in the first match against Honduras. So, yep. you know, depth, depth, depth. That, that's 
probably the, the key word I think for this whole this whole campaign. Yeah, I love yeah. that because less than a year ago, Alistair Johnson wasn't a part of the men's national team. Mm-hmm. In 2019, he was playing in in League One Ontario while also going to university there at Wake Forest. If you talk about stories, I mean, up and down the lineup. I mean, doesn't that show you how you know? People have asked me the last little while, why are we suddenly succeeding on the world stage? Yeah, and you know, we talk about that pathway and how leagues like League One Ontario, which haven't got much press or no press, we're seeing the benefits now of that pathway. Absolutely, and and it's we're still very much in the infancy. Let's be honest here, but I think uh, the League Ones of of Canada should be very proud. And when they see uh, Johnston doing what he's doing right now. They can say to the, the kids playing in that league, look, 100%. Get in this league and succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the knock-on effect of the MLS and the academies, of course, uh, it's just it's a wonderful time right now. It really is. And kind of dovetails to my question, because like I've said, like you said off the hop, you've been covering so- can sock for 20 years, but it's not like you came here with no soccer knowledge. So what do you think is unique about the ascent of Canada right now? Is it that it's just been so quick and so unexpected? Um, is it specific to, you know, the fact that any team coming out of the woodwork in North America shocks the soccer globe because they're like, well, <laughs> what, what's going on over there? Uh, I don't want to answer for you, but like, what, what do you think is, is special about, about this specific time in, in CanSoc that maybe yeah. is unique? It's a good question. I mean, I wonder if it's been that quick. I mean, if I go back, you know, and dating myself back to the late 90s when I started first covering, you know, Canada, I'd speak to, you know, the president of the CSA or, or whoever it is, the head coach, and they're all saying the same thing. So many kids play soccer in Canada. It's only a matter of time, you know, we're mm. going to break through this. Diamonds in the rough. If I heard the term diamonds yeah. in the rough, you know, <laughs> I'd be, I got a cent for each time, be a rich man by now, back in the day. Oh, yeah. A lot of diamonds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where are they you know these, these yeah, names yeah. came and, and, and they went but now we're seeing the fruits i think of that development um you know obviously back in the day that the jimmy brennan's and paul stolteri's and craig forests were well known but behind them there's a big gulf wasn't there between their yeah. talent and the rest now we're seeing that that gap being filled in so yeah i think it's a great story um, I really believe that, you know, if and when they qualify for the World Cup, they're going to become one of these stories heading into that World Cup uh, for, for the world, right? I mean, John yep. Herbman is going to be loved by the British media, right? And he the already British is. media dictate the narratives of many World Cups, right? Mm-hmm. For better off or worse. BBC covered him last week. Sky Sports have covered him. So I think they're going to be a real team to watch from that perspective. And that alone just, just shows how this is kind of blown up, you know, in front of our faces. It's, it's, it's yep. a wonderful thing. Um, you know, Soccer is not Canada's sport. We all know that more so now than it was 20 years ago, for sure. But maybe that is the defining narrative here: how how a sport has emerged in in a hockey country. That yep. you know, people laugh. You know, guys. I mean, we, the haters they're still there, but there were far more of them. It seemed 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right? It's to drive mm-hmm. me crazy. Um, I think they're being silenced now. But so from a country that was so vehemently against soccer. We've now made that term. We're over the curve now, and I think it's becoming to really embrace embrace the sport. Absolutely, yeah, there's, there's a 
incredible pride now that you see in these players and pulling on the Canadian shirt that, I mean, a uh, dark moment in my and all Canadian soccer fans' lives was, I think, when you were interviewing uh, Jonathan de Guzman at BMO Field that one time. He's in a full <laughs> Canadian get-up telling us all that he can't play for the, he, the Dutch He fed me a team. line, let me tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heritage moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you don't see that anymore. I mean, Canada's winning recruitment battles, it seems like, left right and center and now the the guys who are showing up i mean you see it from the second they step on the pitch even before that now i mean walking into the stadium the way they were greeted by the fans these guys have such a pride in playing for canada and that's something we've we've never seen before in this country yeah i mean i think you know there are players that love putting that shirt on you know i know i know craig really well for example Mm -hmm. right he had nothing but pride putting that shirt on but he also had a lot of frustration because you know, dealing with the crap behind the scenes and yeah, playing yeah. a huge World Cup qualifier and sitting in the room before the match and hearing the chants of Mexican fans or Jamaican fans. And he goes, it would really, you know, affect the team's performance. Of so, course. you know, I think the heart's been there for the players, but now we're combining that heart with with the ability and the skill. And that's the difference right now, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned coming off the bus and that's what John Herman said. It was maybe his favorite part of, of Sunday was that it felt like a European Champions League encounter. You know, Liverpool at Anfield, he mentioned that, actually mentioned mm-hmm. that. And I was driving down there and I had to kind of pull into a side road because I couldn't see anything because the bloody red smoke. It's like, yes, <laughs> this is, I can smell the flares and the smoke. This is what it should be about, people. And uh, that was, that's soccer culture, right? Yeah. And that culture is really growing, I think, you know, beyond the team itself. I mean, so you weren't in the car with Dunley and uh, Craig Forrest? Yeah, you by, <laughs> I know, it's funny because I met them soon after and they said to yeah, me, yeah. they said, yeah, we're, they, they thought we were with the U.S. bus. Like, no, they, yeah, didn't. Yeah. they thought you were Brendan Dunlop and Craig Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, but it's good to see that. I mean, listen, we don't condone any kind of, you know, obviously violence, you know, or, but, mm-hmm. but you want a bit of edge. When I, I was standing in the tunnel. When, when the U.S. team went to their bus post-match, and I tell you, the Canadian fans were giving it to them. Like, they were yeah. giving it to them. And I thought, yeah. if back in the day, perhaps that wouldn't have happened. Us polite Canadians, which I think is crap, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly now, there's an edge to the, to the football fans, and they're not going to let anyone escape lightly because we've been through it too long. We've had yeah. ourselves. Now it's time to give it back a little bit and, and you know, puff our chests out a little bit. Let's walk tall as Canadian soccer fans. I mean, I nobody nobody was giving any credence to the American traveling support from where I was sitting. So yeah, yeah, there was a lot of stick, a lot of banter going down. Absolutely. I did want to clarify, I wasn't uh, wasn't taking shots at Craig or any of those guys who <laughs> wore the shirt before, but obviously the circumstances uh, have been have been majorly different than than what they were in the past. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the next game, which obviously Canada playing El Salvador. Um, Again, looking to the past for Canada or any team, this this seems like the ultimate trap game. I mean, they're coming off the massive high of winning in the place that they're never supposed to win in and then beating the team that they haven't been able to beat for for generations. And now they're going into El Salvador against a team that's very much on the outside looking in of, of World Cup qualifying. Um, there's probably going to be some heavy squad rotation i think we saw zachary brogiard get called in so i'd imagine a lot of these guys are, are carrying some knocks but what are your thoughts going into that game because it does kind of scream trap game but i think canada will recognize that and and want to make sure that doesn't happen well let me ask you guys this is this still part of you 
who, who is a little bit nervous, you know, about going on the road and conquer calf and, and can they really get it done? You know, would a draw surprise you? Would a loss surprise you? Because I'm trying to get over this hump as a Canadian soccer fan, if I keep my fan hat on here for a second. Yeah, yeah. And even, even the US game, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, we can kind of write that one off. Forgetting that fact that they played so well to this point in qualifying, they still have to kind of earn my a comfort level with this team, right? Because if, if we look at yeah. the performances, they, they should get three points in El Salvador. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's in El Salvador. They should get three points. But Absolutely. Army is still there, you know, languishing in the old days. I agree. I'm right there with you, pal. I still have like there's there's still butterflies in the pit of my stomach. Like, you know, this this the wheels could come off the bus at any moment, right? Like there's just <laughs> yeah. a bit a bit too much PTSD. And that's why when people are like, we're going to Qatar, I'm like, just hold your horses, guys. Hold your horses. Like once the draw happens and we know what pot we're in, then I'm gonna start doing backflips. But until then, it's like the insignia deal, like I was saying. Like why I'm still half expecting them to truck out a guy named Lorenzo Insina and just say that's the guy. Right, that's that. That's who we signed, you know. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're right. I mean, but you know, that's and that's the. Uh, I guess it's it's the heart, not the head thinking, right? I right. suppose because it's been broken in the past. But if our heads really think about what's happening, you know, they, they they can enter this game against El Salvador quite relaxed, knowing that you know this team has earned the right to have a couple of bad games, a couple of stinkers. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen because it happens, hasn't happened so far. Even though they weren't great against the States, but they they weren't great and they got three points against the United States. So they go to El Salvador. <laughs> and, and El Salvador, obviously, they're better than people think they are. You know, I know they, they played the States. They have tough. an identity. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. listen, the States should have won by more than one goal last time out. I understand that. But, um, you know, that it's hardly like you're playing against Brazil here, right? It's El Salvador. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's realize this. Canada's a far superior team. Um, but a point would be just fine. And then we can start talking, really talking magic numbers, you know, because mm-hmm. I know there are magic numbers, but I'm not quite there yet. If it's above six, it's, it's too high. Eight, come on. I can't talk yeah. magic numbers just yet. You know. <laughs> I, I think it'll take at least another qualifying window or another strong or a strong performance at the World Cup for us to kind of exercise those demons per se Could be and right. not have that, that little that bit sad? of doubt. Here we are now. We're, we're saying, well, they better play well at the World Cup or we're not going to be believers. What the hell's wrong with us? I mean, I mean, judging, judging, judging from our neighbors to the south, where it's like you know everything has to be a win. You know, they're the they're the Barcelona of World Cup qualifying, and if they don't, you know, blank every team, it's a it's a complete disaster, and everybody should be fired. I kind of like this consistently being surprised by our own skill. I prefer it to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think eventually, you know, we're going to get our too big for our britches, just like our neighbors down south, and then we'll be we'll be totally. Uh, uh, um, uh, and uh, the the word escapes me, but we'll be we'll be idiots and, and dicks. And I, until 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 then, I like the fact that we're not being dicks and we're just kind of like in, in our own our own bubble of disbelief yeah, ourselves, right? right? Now, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a euphoria. I do wonder, you know, what does happen when when this team has a bit of hiccup, you know, has a couple of bad performances, and whether it's in qualifying or whether it's in in the build up to to the World Cup when they'll be playing some some pretty decent teams in the build-up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what happens? John Herbin's so positive. He's so, right now, he's just living the life. Everything's going right. How will he react when things go wrong? Because they're going to go wrong yep. at some point, right? Of course. It's as simple as that. And that adversity yep. is going to be really interesting because we're on this upward tra- trajectory right now. And, you know, any team goes through adversity. And I don't think this team, this team's has earned the right not to so far, which is incredible. Yeah very fair it's it's historic right that i don't think 
there's only been one other team that's gone undefeated in the octagon through 10 matches. So right now, John Herman's captured lightning in a bottle when it comes to Canada. And as you mentioned there, eventually that, that lightning is going to escape a little bit. And that's that to me is going to be the real test. Can they take that hit and yet still keep going? It's funny how, you know, it's such, you know, as, as sports fans and Canadian soccer fans, we're so, you know, such self-loathing, right? <laughs> y- y- yesterday, I- I'm, on, I'm on the fan yesterday with Stephen Brunt and Ben Ennis, and we started talking, man, but like, when's Herman going to leave? Like, he's going to yeah, get lured yeah. away. Yeah, Should yeah, he be yeah. nervous? How can we keep yeah. it? Like, oh, my God, you're right. And I thought, wait a minute, just, sh- just give yourself a shake. Let's enjoy yep. this right now. He'll leave at some point. Yes, he won't be the coach forever. You're right. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now he is our coach and we should enjoy that. But uh, yeah, I mean, what, 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 what more can we say about this this campaign? I mean, I, I think most of us probably thought, well, yeah, it's the octagon now. It's different to the hex. Three mm-hmm. and a half spots. You know, there's a good chance Canada can qualify for a playoff given where CONCACAF's at right now. But to yep. see where they're at and how they perform, no one, I don't think anyone can honestly say they saw this coming. Nope. No. And anybody that does is lying to this extent. Yeah. 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 Maybe John Herman. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe John Herman. (laughs) Maybe John Herman. But I'm sure if Presti would say, this is my ideal situation. You know, I thought maybe we'd get 75%, but we're at like a screaming hundred right now. So did you see him? I mean, look at, look at when, uh, you know, that sideline cam, when, when Atacube scored that dagger, he was, he was super, super excited, man. Like there was, that was not performative in any way, shape and form. I wanted to talk a bit about Tim Hortons field because, you know, I feel like that game one, there's no way there were 12,000 people in there. There's absolutely no way that was 12,000 people. Um, You know, I've been there a lot. I'm a forge season ticket holder. I've been there for the inaugural game. I was there for some of the CONCACAF matches. Um, That's that felt like that venue realizing its potential to me, Um, you know, and it felt, you know, it's always been a slog to get there, but it felt like a like a UK slog to get there, right? Because it's right yeah. in the middle of a neighborhood. So it was just such a yeah, hassle exactly. to get in and out. And I loved every second of it. Like it was a complete traffic jam. Nobody knew what they were doing. And it just it felt so right. Like obviously BMO is 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 our is our primo, you know, in this neighborhood is the is the primo place to to house international uh, uh, men's and, and women's games. But I think Tim Hortons deserves a shout. For hosting more games just off the off the back of that experience it was it was just unbelievable i mean the vibe there was was perfect i thought yeah. it was really good really good yeah yeah when i when i first walked out and in, in the press box and looked down the field it's very the press box there's really high it's actually great sight lines to, to call yeah. the game from um i really enjoyed that um but yeah i was like wow actually that looks really solid the turf looked really decent you know for turf um, yeah, yeah and, and it filled up pretty like you mentioned, fourteen thousand, like twenty thousand. But there was definitely mm-hmm. an atmosphere there, and, and walking to the stadium through the the residential areas, it just needs a few pubs on the corners. And you yeah, know, yeah. In, in England, <laughs> right, or, or Europe, right? Exactly, exactly. It, it needs a little bit more of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it definitely captured the moment really well. And thankfully, it wasn't that cold. The conditions didn't play into it that much. But yeah, absolutely, nope. I'd be I'd be more than happy to see more games in, in Hamilton. Um, like yeah. you said, BMO is the way to go because the pitch is, is is a beautiful pitch, and that's this team in particular needs to play in good pitches. That's Absolutely, the technical side. You know, I'm, I'm amazed that the states, you know, did what they did this this window. Quite frankly, you know, technical side playing in Columbus and bad conditions now Minnesota. Like what they're thinking, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think yeah, we're, we're kind of fortunate here in Ontario right now. We've got one great venue, I think, and another one that can definitely hold its own. Absolutely. 
absolutely put some put some cisgrass in there and now and now we're talking 100 percent. yeah i love the angle from where me and mitch were sitting at where you you see the sun setting in the background as as this kind of spectacle is going on and if you want to yeah, talk about vibes there was nothing especially with the escarpment in the background too it's so nice it was, yeah yeah it was gorgeous absolutely you guys gorgeous. In, in the press box or in the in the stands no we were both oh, in we yeah Oh, just yeah, right in the Voyagers section. Oh, yeah. oh nice. no, no I chance. We were we were going. <laughs> Sometimes I mean, I'm not that I'm whining about any of my jobs. I love my job, but I really <laughs> miss out sitting in those environments because they're just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, so we've talked a lot about the uh, the Canadian men's national team, and I just want to flip it to the U.S. men's national team. I was saying before, I think their biggest issue is their coach is two systems. He's too he's too much of an idea god. Like he. He, he wants to play this positional play system and it's almost kneecapping his team. And, and certainly that was on display uh, on, on Sunday. What would you say is, is, is the U.S. just getting in their own damn way or is it, or is it more pronounced than that? Yeah, I, I think so. I spoke to Grant Wall last week about it. And, and this is obviously before the Canada game. And I said, listen, this young team transitioning into something, are they actually at this point a decent legitimate side? And he goes, yeah, I think they probably are. You know, they're, they're playing in, in spurts, pretty good football. But then we saw the performance against Canada. And it's like, wow, no, there's something going on there. You know, in, yep. in the final third in particular, maybe it's form. I mean, Christian Pulisic just hasn't had a good season overall. And he yep. is yep. the poster boy. He's supposed to be the guy to lead them. But is he a leader, per se? Has he got the fire yep. of a Landon Donovan or a, a Brian McBride, these guys in the past? You know, he's got the skill set. There's no doubt about it. No, no he, doubt He could be a wonderful that. player. But is he, a, is he a leader, a guy to be that that driving force, you know, I'm not sure he is. But you look at a, a Ricardo Pepe, he's so young right now. Yeah. He's just gone yeah. to Europe. He's not playing very much, you know. No, he's his form is terrible too, think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think when everyone's firing on all cylinders, when their form is where it should be, when they're healthy, um, I, I honestly think they can be a very good team. I, I really do. And Berhalter himself, you know, is, is learning the trade as well. I find it interesting. Him, him and Herbin are very close, apparently. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, compare notes all the time. And, and I wonder if John's a little bit more advanced in that regard, a bit more experienced, <laughs> you know. Um, but or he's yeah, holding yeah. something back. He's just yeah, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. Berhalter yeah. was so upset about the field being so narrow, right? And I wonder if they had a conversation over a glass of wine post-match about that. I'm not entirely I sure. I wonder if they explained the difference between metric and imperial because it seems like <laughs> quite a few people were getting that, were getting that so, yeah. so, 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 so wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we talk about tactics a lot with, in, in this regard, but like one thing I noticed and this was one of the things that came out after that 2019 Nations League game was the fact that the United States just didn't match the intensity of the Canadian team and like the emotional side of the game. And again, this is a this is a human game. You know, that that stuff matters a lot, too. And that's exactly what happened again on Sunday. I mean, the U.S. just didn't seem quite as up for it for Canada. And with all their ball possession, and everything else like the Canadian team just emotionally was was stronger during the game, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I also have it. But go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a tinfoil hat theory about this. You know, the U.S. their away record is abysmal, uh, absolutely abysmal. You know, they've they've had the benefit of being able to stage meaning meaningful games where they get to win their trophies and have their fanfare in the comfort of home far too often. And now I think it's starting to catch up with them because you know you can, their away form is is garbage and and they're going to qualify for the World Cup, but those are all away games in hostile environments. Right. So, so, you know, it, 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 it must've been fun, 
you know, to win all the trophies and have all those, all those parties and, and puff their chest. But you're starting to see the cracks in the system now. I mean, both in terms of the system that, that Burhalter's doing game to game and in terms of the system of, of how they were playing their games and how they were scheduling their matches. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been a pretty interesting example to learn from as to not do that <laughs> almost from where we're sitting, I would say. Yeah. I wonder if there's an arrogance there as well uh, wonder there is so many yeah. years as our way of the highway and now there's the, these pretenders coming up and say no 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 wait a minute mm-hmm. you know we, we'll dictate the way this game is played we'll dictate the yep. conditions on the field here so it's probably a learning it's definitely a learning curve for them and, and they'll get better for it because I mean, they are sure they're, they're so young right yeah uh, and then missing i mean geo Reno's still out they're missing some good players so as much as it's you know, I know the the U.S. faithful are very vocal about this and they're very concerned about where it's very. going. If, if I was a U.S. fan, I'd be looking at the big picture and thinking, you know, get to the World Cup, figure it out because the talent. Yeah. There's no doubt the talent is there. It's a bit. It's a bit arrogant considering that the sky is falling in there in second place. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. let's fire the coach. You're in second. Like, what are you going to do? Just hire somebody? Like, you know what I mean? It's just. It's just Bruce so knee jerk, right? Oh yeah, Bruce Arena. <laughs> please, please hire Bruce Arena. Please. My goodness, what a great idea. Just for the GIFs, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just just <laughs> James, I, I um, called uh, I, I called Chris and Pulisic overrated. And... Yeah, you know what? It's funny. You Craig Craig Forrest does the same thing. And I hammered him on our podcast saying, What? And now it's like, you know what? I think you might, you might be onto something here. <laughs> well, think about it, man. This guy's supposed to be uh a stud for Chelsea, which obviously he hasn't been, but you're playing in CONCACAF champ or CONCACAF world cup qualifying matches and you're not standing out at all. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that's, that's a red flag there. And also when I watch him for Chelsea, I just, I'm, I'm not sold on sort of this guy being their, their future number 10. He's had his moments, right? He's had, out he's had his, his moments. Flashes where it's like, okay, wow, that was a great goal. But then you look at the full 90 minutes and it just isn't there. And certainly Thomas Tuchel, I think, has his reservations. I agree uh, about him as well. It's, it's, I mean, well, the thing is, you, you look at making the jump. Often for a young player from Germany, isn't always that easy, right? Look at look at Jaden Sancho at Manchester yep. United, right? Um, it hasn't happened for him so far either. Mm. It takes time. These are young players; they have the skill set. But yeah, I mean, overrated as far as this is the best American player of all time. I think you're right. We can't say that just yeah. yet, can we? No. <laughs> right? Which is what no, he was being touted as when he first came mm-hmm. over. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. I I, I guess I'm the eternal optimist for young players. Give them time, it'll be fine. But hey, after this, whole like I'm, campaign. yeah, I mean, as an Ariane Robbins stan, I'm not gonna, I'm not really gonna shide him for having one move because that was Ariane Robbins' entire career, <laughs> and move, nobody yeah. could, yeah. yeah, no one could defend it, right? Oh no, he cuts inside too often. Well, so did Ariane Robin, and nobody ever figured it out for like a couple decades. So, um, no, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I think. The pre- it, it, I'm not I'm not reinventing the wheel. We've all read the millions of articles that have that have outlined. You know, Canada's playing with house money, and the United States are just buckling under this like self self realized pressure and this media pressure and and all that other sort of thing. But yeah, I I do think they'll figure it out. You know, our this this ascent of Canada is going to open a lot of eyes, and people are going you know people are going to try and do what we did, uh, and then the, you know it will it will close the gap a little bit. I have I have no doubt about that. Um, do I go to my bonus question right now or does, do we got more sure. stuff guys? No. <laughs> All right. So, so I got to ask what's, what's your favorite pie that you make and it cannot, <laughs> it cannot be chicken ball tea because that's that. everybody's favorite. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was my favorite for a long time. You know what? My, my favorite <laughs> pie, pie now is steak and ale. 
It's nice. Uh, yep. It's that's my, that's my all time favorite as well. Oh, is so. it? It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, our yeah. newest pie. Um, the last six months or so, and uh, yeah, it's rich. It's got mushrooms in there. That little taste of beer. Uh, it's, it's 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 fantastic. It really is. It's my nice, go to. I'm actually in the kitchen today. I'm actually not in my normal place. Yeah. I'm uh, in the offices above our kitchen. I had to do some pie work this morning for the first time in a while. Get my hands up to some, you know, in, into some dough. So okay, I, I thought pie work. It sounded like you were typing, and I'm like, oh no, no, just no, inventing new names. <laughs> I was literally pie. making pies this morning. Yeah, nice, nice, <laughs> nice, great. Nice. My own, my oh. only complaint is I have to make my own mushy peas to put on top of your stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I, we've, been, yeah. we've been asked about that. Where are the mushy peas? Well, give us time. Yeah, and then serve it. Serve it on. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, I'm just, I'm gonna move on a little bit. Vamping about. I love, I love the banter, but just. I don't want to let James go without getting a prediction for tomorrow's match against El Salvador. Very good. And since actually James and I, we both do work at the parlay. I want to kind of throw the odds at you, James. And okay. I see Canada here for the win straight up. They're minus 118. A draw is plus 230. And an El Salvador win at home is plus 350. So Canada are kind mm. of heavy favorites there. Do you like Canada at minus 118? Yeah, I know. I mean, the draw is tempting, isn't it? Those odds as well. But I, I, I can't back down to what I said earlier today. It's a Salvador, <laughs> for Christ's sakes, people. You know, they're yeah. a better team. Forget about the big. <laughs> no, so I, I think Canada for for is should be the favorites, the overwhelming favorites. Let, let's let's remember what they've done, boys. Let's not go yeah. back ten years here and and exactly. It's, and it's I, I think Canada. they want. I think they want to coast through this with the rest of this window and the next window undefeated. I think they yeah. want that on the mm-hmm. mantle, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's pure confidence going into that draw. It could influence what pot of the draw we get into. You know what I mean? There's there's still stuff to play for. And <laughs> as much as pots already, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Unbelievable. What? No, no, yeah, dream, so this give, is give me Canada line. for the win. Give me Canada for the win. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said undefeated entry in the final match day trip to costa rica when they could clinch at that point they could potentially clinch a, a fourth place at least right yeah and see the playoff i think i think it's four points yeah. is the magic number for that right yeah and then uh not looking too far ahead here but maybe who knows clinching uh at home against jamaica that'd be what pretty special yeah that would be I much that match be played, but that opens up a completely new can of worms that i don't think any of us want to <laughs> no, get no, right no 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 <laughs> the, the i am Coast legit waking up now and they're gonna come for i'm legit i am legit starting to feel bad for the west coast i am like you know it's 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 been it's been kind of bad for them in terms of getting to watch the canadian men's national team in in the real but uh i do think we made the right choice you know always always stress performance over over touring the country we'll right? picked up the win yeah, got it yeah, right yeah. so far. Say what you want about Edmonton. Say what you want about they, they got it right. They're, they're undefeated. So, hey. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to be very hungry for the rest of the show now that we've talked about some Charmin's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and fight through that. Yeah. But, yeah, mm. really, really appreciate you taking the time, James. Yeah, thanks, guys. Always yeah. enjoy it. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, man. See you next time. All right. Oh, man, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, I guess before before we move on from Canada, uh, the scenario that uh, would see them qualify, it is possible that they qualify um, tomorrow against El Salvador. It's incredibly unlikely. Yeah, Honduras has to beat the States, don't they? Here, Yeah, here's the full yeah. scenario. Canada yeah, yeah. obviously needs to beat El Salvador. The U.S. need to 
lose to Honduras at home. Panama needs to lose to Mexico away and Costa Rica need to not win against Jamaica. So it's pretty unlikely, but it is possible. And the fact that it is possible after what is this 13 games mm-hmm. in now is, uh, is pretty ridiculous or no 11 games, 11 games in, um, is, is pretty wild. <laughs> so yeah, it is I pretty mean, wild that, that in itself. Uh, I did also want to talk about, cause James, um, mentioned this, like, still having some worry about Canada going on the road in CONCACAF. And I, to some extent that does still exist, but of course, and, and as much as the U S game was this massive monumental moment for, I think like newer Canadian soccer fans and, and just this country as a whole, for me, it's, it was still that Honduras game that really, really solidified to me that like this team is different and this team is special is, and I know it wasn't the San Pedro Sula that we were promised. And, and that was that. so empty. Yeah that, yeah. that was a massive helpful to, for Canada and this Honduras team was was pretty dead in the water, but that result for just what it meant to to Canadian fans and to to the older Canadian players, you yeah. could see what it meant to Milan, you could see what it meant to Atiba. Yeah, um, that that in itself was massive, and that I think was was. I mean, we're talking about turning points, we're talking about special moments every window, but like that was such a huge moment. This, for this program, this window has been unbelievable. This window has been absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> but one, of, I do, I do have an issue because the Octo's brand new, so these stats coming out, like, well, you know, Canada's the first team to be like at this point in ten games in the Octo. That's kind of cherry picking stats, right? Like the the hex would have been over right now. This that would have been. The end. Yeah, the so, final stage. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, fair. Yeah, so so it's interesting. I mean, I'll take it. Anything, anything to to peacock. You know, give me <laughs> all the stats that 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 paint us as the greatest thing since sliced bread. But there, is, I do have an issue with with some of the some of the wording. Considering you know, this is the first kick at the octo can. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's finish up with some Toronto FC here because there's still. I mean, I think we'd have a show's worth of topics to talk about Toronto FC, even if we didn't That's have a, a literal show's worth of topics to talk about the Canadian <laughs> national team. And the biggest one, obviously, Toronto FC announcing officially Carlos Salcedo coming in as a designated player, a 28 year old center back, 48 caps with Mexico, spent the last few years with Tigris, has also spent time in the Bundesliga with Frankfurt, Serie A with Fiorentina, which is why I assume why they signed him. I mean, yeah, I'm <laughs> Italian connection for Toronto yeah, C to be yeah. in any way. Yeah. As well. And of course, making his professional debut with RSL under Bill Manning. So there's a bit of a connection there. Uh, part mm-hmm. of the deal. Yep. So Teldo has joined Tigris. Um, I guess one point I want to say on the Jefferson Soteldo thing, and maybe this is just my mind doing comparisons, but it really feels like the Defoe era. Yeah, it feels <laughs> so much like Jermaine Defoe, even with his exit as well. Like he was a yeah. player who was great on the field, probably not so great off of it. And you know, obviously, if this works out like the Defoe deal did for Toronto FC, I mean, we'll, we'll be doing backflips, as, as Jeff would say. I mean, they're already winning the Twitter game between Mavinga and Salcedo. Those guys are, are savage Twitter guys. <laughs> so, so I'm already looking forward to all of the content. Like Salcedo hadn't even been confirmed and he had already was just all over tfc oh, live man. everything just being just being the best so yeah looking looking forward to that um you know can we put mike can we put to bed this idea that we're going to immediately buy down salcedo to tam and then sign another 28 dps it seems a little odd to me i mean just looking well, at the this that this deal you know the the length of the deal, the one the one year plus one club option would suggest to me it's that we got plus him as, one club option. Oh, I thought it was one and one. 
Okay, you know, then I'm going to stop. Contract. I'm going to stop myself. Option. I'm going to I'm going to ask you before I before I say something I can't take back, like uh, Perusa as an attacking midfielder. Um, <laughs> are is it? Are do you think they're going to buy him down to Tam this season? Well, I'll just go based off what I was told. So I'm I'm, I'm told at the time right now that the plan is not to buy down Carlos Salcedo this season. Of course. But that being said, he is in that range where he is eligible to be bought down, apparently is what I'm told. And if something were to arise, then maybe this conversation goes a little bit differently. But mm-hmm. right now, in terms of, of planning-wise, I don't believe that is within Toronto C's plans. But if something were, were to prop up at the table, say, I don't know, you know, Dries Mertens or something like that, then we could, I mean, I'm sure they have the flexibility to, to shift um, the direction that they're heading right now. But it, it's a, for me, like the Salcedo-Soteldo deal, that's the biggest thing is is getting out of Jefferson Soteldo. Um, Testify. And- yep. Well, Jeff, this isn't because of his his on field play and his fit with the team on the pitch or anything. No, 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 no. I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm looking at simply as a business move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not even as a business move. Just he he was a significant part of you know. Bill Manning said TFC lost their culture last year. Mm-hmm. What I'm told is he was a significant part of that. Um, you know, the Manning specifically mentioned at the BMO training grounds. Well, that starts with with people like your, your designated players there, your superstars in, in Jefferson Sotel, though, setting the tempo and the pace there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One second. No worries. You're just yelling, but someone else pick mm-hmm. up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we were we were behind the eight ball a little bit there uh, with with uh, with Sotelo's budget hit and the fact that it was such public knowledge that there had been uh there's a profound desire to move the player so this is a coup and and you know like i said when it was still uh uh in the in the realm of possibility you know if the only if the only sacrifice we have to make is a is a dp center back for one season um it's no sacrifice at all and he you know let's let's just eliminate the dp tag because there are plenty of arguments as to you know how it's not necessarily the smartest play in MLS in 2022 to use one of your DP slots on a center back for myriad reasons, um, but we're that's it's a serious upgrade at center back, and we needed a center yeah. back. So mm-hmm. so let's just you know like let's enjoy what we what we got out of this deal. Well, I appreciate you for picking me up there, Jeff, and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Like based on the, this team's construction right now, they're getting. In exchange for Seltel, though, they're swapping him out for something they desperately needed. Exactly. And that's a, that's a significant upgrade at center back. And if you look at the team's center back position right now, you're talking about a Salcedo, a Chris Mavinga. You got Shane O'Neill, who did wonders with the Seattle Sounders as sort of that third center back option for them. I mean, he's definitely capable of doing that in MLS once again. It's looking very a lot more stable than it was last season. I mean, it's a huge upgrade over Armor Gonzalez as your starting center back, mm-hmm. um, playing next to Chris Mavinga, first of all. And then you also have the style of play which the Seldo brings, which is yep. of course he's he's great in the air, which Omar did, but he also has the pace as well as 
the ability to to pick a pass, which yep. I mean, I'm not saying Omar was terrible at it, but he definitely wasn't that MLS type of of center back where nowadays, at least the modern day center back, where they're capable of linking up, uh, moving forward, and and really, I think the biggest thing was mobility. He, too yep. many times, Omar Gonzalez got caught out when TFC was trying to play a high line. Well, now you have that flexibility with with someone like Salcedo. So. I think it's it's a good start. Again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still where I was last week because we knew this deal was coming. Is this team still needs to make a a, a bunch of moves before I consider them uh, contenders in the Eastern Conference? But it's a good good foundation they have going right now. Yeah, you skipped well, over. You skipped over. Uh, uh, and I got to shout out uh, Charlie O'Connor Clark for this. But you skipped out our new Nick Hagland, which is Lucas McNaughton, basically a like for like replacement with uh, with Nick Hag. So we've we've, we've got a new Hags uh, striker into center back, uh, v- vicious in the air, both defending and attacking headers. Um, you know, and we've been missing that. You know, Omar, how many how many headers did when Omar came in 2019? We were all expecting massive, massive headers off uh, corner kicks and set plays. What did he do? Score three of them in his career over three years? Oh no, Omar was Omar had a number of of at least finishes off off set pieces and corner kicks. Um, at least this season, right? Mm. Yeah. Him, and this season yeah, him and Soteldo, yeah, him and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I love the I love the McDonald's show. But yeah, give us that segue, Mitch, because I know you're heading towards that. Well, yeah, I think uh, you mentioned a lot about the roster construction as a whole, and we got a better idea of what that looks like this past uh, this past week when Toronto FC finally released their training camp roster. Obviously, we've been waiting on that for a while. Um, they needed to announce like six signings before they <laughs> could just release the the roster outright because there was so much there's such a big backlog in terms of what uh what the club had put on paper versus what they'd announced to the public but now we have it and uh, i mean there's no burying the headline the, the the name that immediately jumps off and you see the Twitter pictures and just how happy he looks now back the best. in off <laughs> jersey is Sebastian Javinko he's at training camp yep yep Mike, but do you be have careful. On this? What's up? Do you have anything on this? Because I mean, obviously, there's got to be something to this. Like <laughs> the fact that he's still well, sticking around. I don't believe that there there aren't clubs out there that would be interested in Sebastian Javinko at this point. Well, I, I I've heard at this point that there is a growing optimism within those at Toronto FC that a deal is going to get done here between Sebastian Javinko and and the club. Um, I don't think anything has been officially signed as yet, but with Javenko, I would call it a handshake deal at this yep. point. Um, with Javenko playing in the most recent preseason match, kind of get get his ramp up his fitness. He played 30 minutes nice over the weekend um, against the LA Galaxy in their first preseason match. Five four. I'd <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised yeah. if something doesn't get done here uh, officially before the start of the season. And like, listen, as we've mentioned in the past, the biggest sort of, I don't know what, what to call hurdle. it, but the biggest difference, yeah, hurdle between Toronto FC and, and Javinko was was the money. And with him telling Bill Manning and Bill Manning telling uh, the media here that money isn't the issue anymore. You know, Javinko said he, very professionally that he wants to finish his career here in Toronto and money's not a problem. And there's no reason why a deal can't get done. There's no 
un- there's no reason why they, that they have to buy the 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 uh, allocation spot, right? So there is the, you know, the j- trillion amount of allocation money that they have acquired <laughs> this offseason. Like again, true enough, have to move true up enough. Two spots. That's yeah. Not, they only have to move up two yeah. spots, but they yeah. do. That, there is money that they would have to sink in that even before they start talking about salary with the player. I, I think it's important to outline again. We have the money for it, but they're, you know, that'll be the biggest cost with my understanding, because I agree. I think so. Yeah. Significant deal. And that's what we've talked about for weeks on this show is that if Sebastian Javinko finds a way to, to lower his asking price that we'd take him back with open arms, like Jeff, we were, we were throwing around like 700, $800,000. Yeah. 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 I don't even think he's going to get that much, which is great for Toronto FC, especially fantastic for TFC in the past. And, we talk about the commercial value of someone like Lorenzo Insigne brings. I mean, Sebastian Javinko brings obviously probably not not as much, especially globally, but locally here. I mean, that's a huge yeah. boost commercially. I mean, look at the the amount of engagement and interaction that happened just about him announcing or TFC announcing he was on the preseason roster, not even signed. And- yeah, and then and then the complete kerfuffle that was that weird little asterisk that sort of people inferred meant that he had been signed already, and then they deleted their tweet and we did it and <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. No, that I mean happens. it's Seba Seba, man. Seba Seba. He's gonna he's gonna cause he's gonna cause that kind of chaos wherever he goes in TFC Live, and that's that's why we love him. And uh, okay. oh, I, a good I segue be, here. Is, mm-hmm. I was gonna say a good segue here is you're gonna see probably another legend coming in. But on the other hand, it, it's becoming more and more likely that we're going to see another legend on his way out of the club, which, of course, is, is Josie Altador. And I mean, me personally, you know, as someone who's followed the club for a very long time, wouldn't you guys love it if they found a way to kind of bring Josie back on a cheaper deal and link him up up top with Sebastian Javinko for at least the first half of the season and, and kind of reignite kind of what that was, that type of magic back. Uh, I know they want to move away from 2017, but it's still a little bit of nostalgia. If you want to talk about commercial value, I mean, bring those two back, the deny- dynamic duo, and you're at least uh, putting seats or putting butts in the seats for at least the first couple games there at BMO Field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I yeah, mean, I doubt that'll happen. Yeah, there's there's yeah, only so many roster <laughs> spots. Yeah, yeah, there's only so many roster spots in the world, unfortunately. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's super exciting, super duper exciting. We, you know, with Seba, it's difficult to predict the future with Seba because it's just such it's such an enigmatic relationship the club and the player have. And, Even on and, this show, like mm-hmm. uh, like the the history of this show's opinions on the Sebastian Javinko deal. I mean, we hear there's interest in Sebastian Javinko. We're instantly all like sign yeah. him immediately. Yeah, we all we lose our minds. Yeah. We yeah. find out he wants a designated player deal. We're like, this guy's greedy. Yeah. We don't want anything yeah. to do with him. Yeah, we yeah. see him in training camp in a kit. We're like, bring him in. I don't <laughs> <laughs> So Yeah, I mean, it's different. We have absolutely, absolutely no baseline with sebastian giovinko we're just no. he's he's in our hearts and we're like jilted lovers just like is he coming back is he yeah exactly yeah. exactly but yeah um, i mean to be fair when those rumors first surfaced tfc was an absolute hell like yeah. they were the worst the second we'll worst take team anything in league soccer we'll take yeah. anything to kind of reignite yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. that that interest back in the club but with uh with now, especially where it is with a lot of roster spots open and Sebastian Javinko not wanting a crazy amount of money. It's not about money for him. I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. 
T- TFC has two settings. One is we're absolutely terrible and it's gallows humor. And the other is that every Tam has to be a DP like Victor Vasquez was. And, we, and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we just, all of our moves have to hit and they have to be like these unicorn moves. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's such a great fan base. I love it so much. The pendulum is my favorite. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the other players at training camp then, because there's a few trialists mm. as well. Um, I think the most interesting of them is, is TFC basically pulling a forge and trying to gut Pacific FC of everyone left. I guess they, they gave them Luke Singh in return, but uh, <laughs> not, not, not officially yet, eh? Yeah. He's fair. still at training camp with Toronto SC. I Who did not that? know that. Oh, Luke, Luke Singh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I did not so know that. Wow. 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 Yeah. yeah, but Caden Chung... Uh, is there at camp as well as uh Devia Vladder Vyader rather and uh Wilson Harris, uh, a couple of guys just just in there to you know see see if they can bring anything. Um uh, I think Chung for me is the, the most exciting one because obviously mm-hmm. I've seen him play a, a fair amount of games for Pacific FC. I think he does have MLS quality in terms of adding some fullback depth as well. And of course there's sure. a bunch of Toronto FC two prospects there as well, including uh Hugo Mbongu, who's uh, of course Iowa Knoll's brother. Name, Love that name. Or Ralph Prezo's brother, sorry. Yeah, Ralph Prezo's um, brother, yeah. Yeah, and uh, very, very high on him. Toronto FC have, have been for a while, and, you know, he's yeah, he's one of those guys that, that's coming up in that next generation for the academy, and Kobe Franklin as well, who we anticipate will still sign a, a first-team deal. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah any anyone stand out from, from training camp that, that you're interested in or from so far? I, I like, I love the Hugo Bung shout. Um, this guy, I mean, he looks so good. He played brief stints with TFC2 last year, but when he mm. came on, I mean, I don't think he looked too far out of place despite being, I think, the youngest nice. TFC2 player ever, or nice. at least close to it. Um, he's he's a big kid, unlike Ralph Presa, who's kind of a little bit smaller. Like, Hugo's, Hugo's tall, and he still has the athleticism. He's, he seems like he's a smart player, and he kind of looks like he's near complete already, which is exciting yeah. whenever you're talking about a prospect who's, what, 16 years old? Um, so I, I love that shout that he, he's going to get some good minutes. Um, no one else jumps out the page off the page at me. Uh, everyone DeAndre. Else kinda... Well, that's of fair. Yeah, as a signing. Yeah. yeah. What a start. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Season. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I what a game. Yeah, I think a... we talked about him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah what yeah. a game. Good, good show, Jeff. I mean, two goals already. Um, mm-hmm. but, I mean, again, we're basing this off, uh, a stat sheet. That just tells us who scores, but it's exciting to at least see him. One of them was bar down, according to TFC Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, my favorite, my favorite was the TFC kickoff, and then 34 seconds, LAFC are up by one. That was fantastic. Yeah, you'd never know if that bar down is like an empty netter that he should have just rolled on the ground instead. Yeah, just like skies, it goes bar down. But no, you're obviously it's exciting when you see Jordan Peruza, Jaden Nelson, and two goals from DeAndre Kerr, which is yeah. I mean, it's massive for TFC this year because the way that this roster is kind of shaping up, a lot of those youngsters are going to have to play significant roles for this I team. I agree, yep. And one youngster, of course, that I want to highlight quickly, I think I might have touched on this in the past, but it, one guy who's expected to play a really big role for, for Toronto FC this season, not only now, but I think in the summer as well, is, is Jaquil Marshall-Rudy. Um, I'm told that Bob Bradley is a, a very big fan of Marshall-Rudy. Nice. And there's a lot of rumblings that he's going to leave TFC come June when he turns 18. I'm told that that's not the plan for Toronto FC, at least. They want to give Marshall Rudy a full year under his belt this season and then come the offseason, if it's the right time to move him, then then do that. 
but I'm told they're not eager to obviously see Marshall Rudy leave. I think a couple of reasons will commercially you, you increase his value significantly if he can mm-hmm. get a full season of MLS under his belt, as opposed to leaving before he plays really what was a full season and, yeah. and B he can actually contribute this year is, is kind of the vibe that I'm getting. And I think a lot I'm of these guys are going to be taking that next step. And Marshall Rudy is going to be at the forefront there of TFC's push to get more youngsters minutes uh, in at least meaningful minutes in 2022. One, one last bit of news before we, we finish up, of course, that being Sebastian Endo is headed to Melbourne FC. Um, 66 MLS appearances with Toronto FC where he scored seven goals. I think obviously, you know, talk about depth players. Endo was mm-hmm. one of those ultimate guys where, you know, he'd, he'd be out of the team for, for months on end and then just come in and, and put in Take a couple spot of right back. Yep. performances. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, one of those one of those guys on the 2017 team. So tough to see him go. I think he's replaceable, but uh, obviously one of those those depth guys that was so helpful for them so, for so many years. So uh, yeah. big credit. Good to him locker room guy though too. He was always, you know, he was always always mm-hmm. the first to cheer any goals that weren't his when he was on the pitch. Right? Yeah. Just, just good locker room guy and gets to go to Melbourne. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> jealous. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that. yeah. I think that's man. a good vibe right there. My favorite Sebastiano story still is is one time Sebastian Javinko takes this shot and it's an absolute screamer and you like like the first time you see it and you think wow how did he put that top corner and then you realize on the replay it went off Subasa and, he's, <laughs> and Subasa's pointing to his head like that hit me and Seba goes to slap him and Subasa, the fear in Subasa's eyes like. Oh no! <laughs> but like, I was just joking around, obviously, because like, because Subas was claiming the goal. But yeah, it was yeah, yeah. hilarious. That was, <laughs> nice, that was a memory nice. that I will always have. From, uh, yeah, for yeah. for me, it's it's not as funny, but I think seriously, there wouldn't be that 2019 uh, MLS Cup playoff run without Subas Endo. It's true. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, it's and true. the role he that was... he played during that. Yeah. Some bangers that he he scored in that postseason, Absolutely. leading up to the postseason, and. He's, he's a he was a Swiss Army knife, so um, it, it'll be you know a decent loss, especially considering they also lost Nick DeLeon. But yep, again, that yep. goes back to my last point: is who's who's brought in right now to kind of fill that void? I mean, there's still a lot of time between the, the now and the start of the regular season, but for now, it's it's the youngsters that are really in prime time right now to hopefully take advantage of that opportunity. If Bob Bradley likes what he sees in training camp. There's still going to be a number number of moves to come in between now and the start of the season. But if he likes what he sees from them, there's not that urgency to bring them in right away because perhaps he can trust the young guys. So what I'll say now is is I know TSC have at least one deal lined up uh, for the summer that'll that'll be coming in. And other than that, I I think it's it's open season right now for the club between now and, and the start of the year. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Love to love to see the young guys get a get a run under under Bob the Builder. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty surprising for us as fans who have sort of watched these guys kind of flounder a little bit under Vanny and and certainly last year, uh maybe being put in positions where they weren't set out to succeed. I think it's gonna be a very, very different feeling around the young guns this season. Uh and I can't wait. I can't wait. You just have to look to Mark Anthony Kay as an example of a way that Bob Bradley can can translate, you know, raw talent and and obviously some some good soccer knowledge into a really really solid player. 
Guys, Axis of Evil said it was a great show today because we oh, didn't do any. <laughs> any uh, by, by the way, by the way, did, hey, obviously Mike Mike won the won the Twitter poll because he cheated and only put down the names of the players and, and Lorenzo Insigne, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, vote vote for Jeff. He's got Bob Bradley on his foresight team. Like yeah, that was absolutely. Hey man, I was limited by Twitter team. characters. There's a yeah, yeah, blame blame Twitter. <laughs> Full Avengers yeah. names. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. let's blame Twitter. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap things up here. Though that was a great addition. Obviously, awesome to have James oh. Charman on making his show debut and love and it. Yeah, talking about all things Canadian soccer. Definitely going to have him back on in the the near future. And thank you as always for the comments, the banter, following along um, during these incredible times for Canadian soccer. We know there are time. many many podcasts and outlets out there, and it seems to be new ones popping up every day. But really appreciate you guys sticking with us and and you know showing up to our show in such great numbers so on behalf of michael singh and yeah. jeff oh. nesker uh oh uh oh keep keep talking oh, let me just say quickly happened. our engagement oh, yeah, has been has been through the roof man the numbers have been crazy and i can't say enough about the support that we've been getting like we always re- we read every single one of your comments in the chat even the mean ones guys but yeah we yep, still, especially uh, the mean ones we laugh about the mean we ones still later. we yeah. still we still read every single one of them and it's been on fire literally since since the end of december honestly and we can't say enough about what that means to us and for those listening back to the podcast later we appreciate that as well um please it it does help if you guys like and subscribe uh wherever you guys do get your podcasts it it does mean a lot for us and if you guys ever want us to chat about anything or have a significant or have like a topic you know just write in snake draft about marvel superheroes Yeah, exactly. You guys are a big fan of those Marvel superhero drafts. Let's let us. Yeah, know we're doing another. We're doing another thousand of them. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeff, do, the, uh, do you have the outro cued now? I'm assuming. That's uh, I do. I do. I do. You want to? You want to do? You want to do your thing? I got. Up, I got baby. my magic fingers Absolutely. ready to go. Yeah. On behalf of Michael Singh and Jeff Bidnesker, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Until next Tuesday. Cheers. I just got to scroll down. <laughs> <laughs>